right, guys, I think we're live. I see the gameplay going. Uh, okay, uh, hey everyone, what's going on? And welcome to tonight's episode of the TXR Podcast. This is episode number 210. Man, we are back and we're ready to rock out with you the new year. And hey, you know what? I'm your host, Invader, and we've got a really awesome show in store for you tonight. Uh, a few weeks ago, Xbox released a documentary, uh, the Xbox Power On documentary. We'll go over the highlights for that. Also, some really, really interesting news regarding Ubisoft Plus coming over to Xbox. Not to mention a few other ju juicy topics, leaks, rumors, and so on. Lots on the docket. But first, let me introduce everybody on the show panel, starting off with Centurion. Buddy, hey, how you doing? It's It's been a couple of weeks. Yes, it has, and boy, am I ready to go. It is Sunday night. It is time for TXR. A lot, in my opinion, has happened in the past few weeks. We've got some great topics. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah, well said, buddy. I, I can see you're energized and ready to go. And speak about energized, we got Mr. MLD, General MLD, buddy. Hey, uh, how has uh, the past couple of weeks been for you? Hey, uh, doing pretty good. You know, just took some R&R, uh, &R, uh, beat some games. Uh, let's see, beat Stardew Valley, put like, well, you can't beat it, but I put like 70 plus hours into it. I feel like I got the most out of it being on Game Pass. Now I'm, uh, I'm, I'm into uh, GTA San Andreas, uh, also on Game Pass. That game has aged very well, just uh, going through that. But uh, yeah, uh, Xbox, uh, you think these last couple weeks would be a bit dry on news, but Xbox, they still give us stuff to talk about. So yeah, can't wait to get into it. Mm -hmm, no doubt. Yeah, I, I know that uh, you know we had missed the last show before uh, going over the Christmas break, but uh, hey, we still got, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, guys. Uh, moving on here, Shockley, buddy, Eric, hey, how have you been? Uh, you've been, uh, relaxing, taking some R&R &R the past, uh, few weeks? Yep, just been, uh, chilling, picking up some more, uh, 4K Blue. But yeah, I finally got through all that Samurai, uh, that new, the Samurai, I forget, the Tenrai event? I, I think oh, yeah. that's the name. <laughs> on Halo, uh, finally finished all of the, uh, challenges to max out for the, uh, Samurai armor for now, so but yep, just uh looking forward to some of those newer armor cores for the uh upcoming weeks that have been leaking. So, but we'll get into it tonight, mm -hmm. yeah. I uh, speaking of Halo Infinite, I finally beat it on Boxing Day, and for my American friends, Boxing Day is on the 26th of December, so and I still had a lot of stuff to do as well, a lot of high value targets. I must have put like 20 hours into the game on heroic gotta say i really enjoyed my time with it halo infinite's a lot of fun halo infinite is oh, i just i i want to get back into it and finish all the all the targets all the collectibles and so on the world is a lot of fun to explore um and yeah th I, I think 343 did a really good job i want to confess something i have barely played halo infinite that is because I have been sucked back into playing ESO very heavily to where now at this point we have uh, brought in, let me see, so it was me, my bro, and his son, and now his wife is playing with us, and we've also brought in the blue one 
from the community and it, it's like now to the point where we're starting to have like nothing but time to play ESO and everything else has been set on the back burner. <laughs> uh, the MMOs are a double-edged sword. Like they're fun, they're engaging, but you got no time for anything else. <laughs> oh man, I've put in way too much time into that game already. And now everything, dude, that game never runs out of stuff to do. I mean, just today I ended up doing a quest that I completely missed when I first started playing the game. And that was years ago. Oh, I imagine. Like, how many hours you put into it? Uh, last time I checked the timer, we're talking 100. It's no longer measuring me in hours. It's measuring me in days. Yeah, I believe that. Uh. <laughs> hey, Centurion, uh, what was that game that you were into? Uh, remember when uh, we were on Party Chat, and I think you were playing a game with, uh, who was it? Um... Uh, there was a, a few guys there, and uh, I think we we were gonna play what was it, uh, Vermintide Two? But you were playing, I forget the shooter game you were playing. Um, but I was falling asleep. I remember that. Insurgency? Yeah, I think it was Insurgency. I just couldn't remember the name. Are you still uh, playing that? Well, I'm playing it here and there. Yeah. Um, that game is just as intense as Rainbow Six Siege. Um, and also, like, I'm going to tell you right now, in Rainbow Six Siege, the NPCs, um, those guys can sometimes be as dumb as rocks. In Insurgency, though, the enemies in, a, in Insurgency can overwhelm you very quickly, and if you start bottlenecking them through one doorway, they will start trying to flank around you. Um, we had Fuzzy Belvedere, um, shout out to him, uh, he joined us that night after you left, and oh my god he started showing us stuff about that game because he's like a level 100 and something in that game and that game gets downright intense because like you could have a day operation which can be completely easy and then they start tossing smoke grenades and once there's smoke grenades out you can't see nothing and all you can do is just wait to see the silhouette of an NPC trying to run into the smoke grenade to get you. And uh, there's friendly fire in that game, so you can also down a teammate if you're not watching what you do. And then the night missions get even more intense because you have to pack um, night vision with you. And if you don't bring night vision with you, uh, well, we'll just say the NPCs don't need night vision because they're just built with it in. And I mean, like, that game can get pretty hairy when it comes to not being prepared for the situation you're going into. Um, I would definitely say they did a good job on that game on trying to create um, basically a very tactical shooter. Hmm. All right, good to know. I mean, I've heard a bunch of good things about that for people, so, you know, I, I, might, I might take a look into that. It's very tactical, um, for sure, and you got to play the objectives because if you don't play the objectives, it it it'll definitely bite you in the ass if you don't play the objectives. Okay, uh, just a heads up, guys. We're still waiting on Timmy. Uh, I'm assuming he'll uh, wriggle his way in at some point, but uh, we're still gonna have a pretty good show. And guys, a quick reminder that we are on a wide variety of different audio platforms: Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And many other good ones. Just hey, follow uh, follow them uh, for your TXR shows on the go. I mean, again, if you can't listen live and uh, you know you're in the car or something, always good to uh, you know check out one of those pod podcast platforms for us. 
But, uh, yeah, guys, okay, let's uh, go over to our first topic of the night and uh, 2022. I mean, again, it's uh, hard to believe we're already in the new year. Hopefully, again, things are uh, a little more positive and better. But a few weeks ago, Xbox released a documentary series called Powered On, and it details some, well, interesting insight from key figures over at Xbox Game Studios and Microsoft as a whole, really. Uh, Centurion Pal, I know you were taking a look at this, all the videos they released, and, uh, you know, we're pretty keen, interested in it. Uh, what do you, uh, what did you learn from it? Are there any big takeaways from the, uh, documentary series? Well, not to sound absolutely cheesy, but the absolute number one takeaway that you can get from watching, um, this, it's a set of six videos that range anywhere from, like, 40 minutes to an hour, um, and one big takeaway for me is to see the dedication towards a dream, an idea that they would not back down from. And that could be said to anybody. Like if you ever have, uh, something you want to achieve and get done, uh, don't ever be deterred by what anybody says, including your boss, Bill Gates and the people in control of your job. Um, and that's definitely kudos to the guys who were able to push the original Xbox across the finish line. Um, I mean, like when you see them talk about how nobody thought that this was going to work at all, so they weren't given a budget, they weren't given a workspace. These guys were literally working in a back room somewhere over at the Microsoft headquarters, um, pretty much kind of designing this thing behind the entire executives back because nobody thought it would work. They were all concentrating on pretty much software and the windows platform and stuff like that. And the idea of them creating something that would be totally geared towards gaming went against everything Xbox uh, wanted I mean not what uh, my not Xbox what Microsoft wanted like they even talked about how when they were designing the Xbox they had to sneak into uh, the main server area where they housed the actual system kernel or the Windows um, the Windows operating software and they wanted to have access to basically the root kernel the the brain the heartbeat of the Windows operating system but they weren't allowed to have this because they, the Windows team knew what they were going to do it. They were going to strip it down to, because at the time it was a very large amount of software that could not fit on a console. And the Windows team knew that they were going to strip it down to literally nothing but a couple megabytes of data. Mm -hmm. um, and they wanted to, they didn't want them to do this. And That's so true. they had to I steal mean, the software. What would you say? Hmm? Was that shock? Oh. Oh, must have didn't. Okay, nah. Continue. Anyways, they oh, had my, my bad. My my thing came out unmuted for a second with my dog. <laughs> oh, you're all good. So they had to. They basically had to sneak in and steal the the software for the Windows operating platform because one thing that Bill Gates wanted was for it to operate on Windows because he wanted Windows on everything. But they, he wanted it Windows in its fullest form. They even talked about, you know, people wanting to sit on their couch and work on Microsoft Excel, Excel sheets. And the, the Xbox team knew that this was, this was total fantasy over on the Windows side. Nobody's going to sit on their couch and want to work on an Excel spreadsheet. 
So yeah, when by the time it got into Bill Gates, that's where they get into that episode, the Valentine's Day Massacre, where they had to reveal to Bill Gates that they that they basically hacked down the Windows operating software, and they ended up having to cancel dinner reservations with their wives on on Valentine's Day, and they literally had this entire meeting for Xbox Xbox's existence, and it got to the point where literally they were like, well, let's just shut it down. We're, we're done. We'll just wash our hands of it, shut it down. It doesn't need to come out into the wild. And the number one thing is they did not like how Sony was dominating the living room with the PlayStation, so they decided to push ahead and give the team the okay and a budget to do this, but it wasn't even a big budget because they even talked about how when they were getting ready to reveal it, they were building this thing on the floor in the back room of the convention center mm -hmm. to basically get the prototype going. It was actually a really cool in-depth um, set of videos that I could go on about. You could have a show in itself just talking about what was revealed um, they talked about wanting to purchase Nintendo and how that turned into a joke because they needed to have software for this thing. And that's where they started talking about how they wanted to use Bungie with Halo and how Halo, even though first-person shooter games had been done before, Halo reset the bar by having just one of the best interfaces on controller because at the time, everybody thought the only way to do a first-person shooter perfectly was by keyboard and mouse. And, the, it, dude, it was also really, they go on to the, the Red Ring of Death and how that cost billions of dollars to, to deal with. Um, they went into how um, Lion's Head was one of the biggest mistakes that they ever made yeah. when it came to shutting them down, which kind of feeds into what's going on today. Like, everybody always like, well, why doesn't Phil Spencer or Matt Booty go into these, these development offices of the software, uh, the game developers, throw the hammer down and tell them what they need to make? Well, because Lionhead... They, they explain that because Lionhead, they, they, Lionhead was a classic example of what happens when you go in and make a developer design a product for something that they're not passionate for. And it's not because Lionhead was not passionate for the Fable franchise. It was because they were being pushed into trying to make something for the Kinect that did not come to fruition. And then they were also trying to push them into making something on the size of an MMO. They were taking the Fable franchise a direction that Lionhead was not passionate about. And it basically caused Lionhead to fall apart to the point where they had to shut the doors. And this is why Phil Spencer, Matt Booty, and the rest of the Microsoft executive team does not go in and basically totally try to flip a game developer upside down and try to get them to shoehorn in games that they are not passionate for because they understand to get a quality product, they need to have the development mm -hmm. studio passionate for what they're designing. Um, and then they also went into the failures of the launch of the Xbox One and then, like I said, I've always said, um, it went into Phil Spencer taking over that situation with the Xbox One and actually being able to write the ship. No longer the 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 VCR entertainment box. It was now they they threw he got the Connect out of the box. He helped redesign the hardware to basically be more powerful with the Xbox One S. And then he came in and took that power crown with the Xbox One X created products like game pass which has completely revolutionized the gaming industry i mean you could sit down and watch these shows and actually learn a lot 
about Xbox and you will be able to see the passion from the developers, the engineers, the executives, everybody involved from day one to right now. Mm -hmm. uh, just to go back to Lionhead, you know, it was pretty interesting hearing, like, for example, I think it was Shannon Loftus just talk about it. And she's been with Xbox for, well, many years, been with Microsoft. And it's just interesting hearing all these stories right now about whether it be Lionhead, Red Ring of Death, whatnot. Lionhead, yeah, I always felt bad about Lionhead, and I'll be honest, like, even some of the games uh, that they did produce that weren't as well received, whether it be the arcade game Fable Heroes, I, you know what, I'll go on record and say I actually kind of liked uh, the Kinect game Fable the Journey, I thought that it had some good concepts in there, but y you could argue about the execution, of course, and that you know, traditional fans, yeah, of course, you know, you just prefer a regular Fable game or an extension of it, per se. Um, but Legends, yeah, to it, really, it didn't really... To uh, really describe the situation with the Kinect, it's like right now, Sony has the PlayStation VR, but they are not requiring every developer under their, under their umbrella to basically to utilize that piece of tech. That is something that is open for developers to use and design for if they feel like they want to. With the Kinect, it was almost like, you know, let's be upfront. Donnie D walking into the room going, all right, any games you guys are working on has to work on this too. And that was because Don the Kinect was Donnie D's baby. He got it over the finish line. That was something he really wanted to push forward. And the one thing that Donnie D could not understand or handle was that there was a large population of people that didn't want it. He saw, oh, well, if they don't want it, I'll just shoehorn it into the console and make it to where it's now part of the Xbox One and the Xbox One can't exist without my piece of tech. Well, we all saw what happened there. Yeah, that was... Uh, I, I remember when they took out the Connect. Like, that was the excuse. Oh, you know, we can't take out the Connect. Speaking of Donnie D, he showed up on these episodes. Yeah. I completely was mind blown. I was like, oh my God, a unicorn. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, I was really surprised to see that. Um, they were really, really candid with this. Like, the guests that they got on, they even got, like, the former head of PlayStation, uh, what, Jack Treden, I think was his name. Like, uh, they got some pretty big names on there. Like, I was surprised with this whole documentary that Xbox, they're willing to show, like, like the the inner look within the industry that I, I think we'll never really see from Nintendo or Sony. Like, we had that insight into Halo's development cycle that I, I had never even knew until then. And it was really refreshing to see. And uh, their clarity, with again, with Lionhead and, and with how they treat studios now. So I think if studios these days are taking a little bit longer to make the games that we want, I mean, I think that's better than the alternative, which is to make uh, bad game or not bad games, but games that they're, they're not passionate about. So it, it was a good, it was a good documentary. It really showed us where they were, where they came from, and how they got to where they are today. So I really, it, it was, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, Eric, did you get a chance to see the documentary at all? Any of the episodes uh, or even just snippets of it? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, I ran through all of that. It was it was definitely interesting to kind of see like where they came from and how like how close it was to just like not happening altogether. Um, but you also see get to see a lot of the 
innovation that they brought to like the industry, like a lot of things that they brought forefront. Um, Cause yeah, sure. You could play, you know, on PC, you could play online or you could play online on other systems like PS2, but the, what they did to kind of, you know, revolutionize it. Cause if you think about it, if like if Xbox never came along, Nintendo, well, they sure shit didn't do anything with that broadband adapter that they had for the GameCube. Um, and you ended barely had any online for the Wii. So if you would have just had, you know, Sony's PSN by themselves, cause you know how, you know, kind of crappy that one was out the gate of the PS3. And then they had no competition to, Hey, Oh, look what they're doing with those achievements. Maybe we should make something like that, like trophies or they have, Oh, they have party chat. Oh, we should do some like every step of the way they kind of built what PSN is today based off they had a complete blueprint um so just stuff like that um and bringing shooters uh you know forefront to the console to where they actually worked well <laughs> you know we used to play goldeneye sure um but then you had which we'll get to later but you had to you know use the c buttons to sidestep and it was still kind of wonky um and then they brought bethesda bethesda had never made any console games and that that was the, their first uh, console that they were they actually made it more PC like, which brought some of those PC devs like Bethesda to the console space for the first time. So yeah, it was definitely cool to see. Um, you'll <laughs> the funny thing is everybody was like, man, this would be cool if uh, Sony or Nintendo did this because it would be amazing seeing the fall on the wall of like when Sony walked into the room and they saw Nintendo be- betray them. I think it was with uh, Panasonic. And <laughs> they're like, wait, you said you were partnering with, with us. And and it was like a complete slap in the face. And then they built their whole, like, imagine if you had the same in-depth documentary <laughs> with them. But it, it would never happen just because they would never, it would, they would never like self, you know, like self-deprecate like on themselves of like, hey, here's our flaws. They're never going to do that. Nintendo or Sony, those type of companies, um, they just don't strike me as, Hey, we're gonna show our, you know. Hey, we 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 screwed up here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, no. Just to touch on what you're saying too, Shockley. I am really surprised that they did open up about what they did because, again, even like the Red Ring of Death, like that's a really, really uh, touchy subject for a lot of people. I know I got affected by it back in like 2009. I was not happy, so I'm really like surprised they were just like so open about all these things which again it's good it's good that they're able to talk about these things but uh, go on pal and that just goes to show you how great the online like experience was on the 360 because at no point where you you saw people say i bought five or six 360s why'd they keep buying it and not a ps3 oh. there's a reason <laughs> um sure down the line they it started to flip when they did connect and hey donnie came in and yeah, hey, you want to start? Because Peter Moore, you know, even if you want to criticize what he did, like he at least gave you a great running start. Cool. Don't he didn't do really investing as far as like into first party, but he set you up with all those third party deals mm-hmm. and got all these other exclusive lines lined up. Cool. You had that you know big head start. Cool. Now when Donnie comes in in 07, keep Bungie. Don't let him leave three months after you start mm-hmm. and. <laughs> And hey, maybe get uh, Bioware at the time. 
because you were coming from EA, so you would probably know any mm-hmm. inklings of any deal there or any talks with Bioware. Like, you could come in there like, hey, uh, you w- want to keep working with us? We've had a great run, so let's keep this going. I'll give you all the money you need. Um, and EA at the time still wasn't, they had a bad reputation back then too. So it's like, hey, hey, look, look, Epic's working with, look, you've already worked with us. We have a great relationship. Let's keep it going. Um, and then you build up that momentum and you have, but see, that's when you saw those exclusives just fall off the face of the earth. Like other than deals that were already signed, like years three, there wasn't much else. Alan Wake, but that was because it took so long in development, it ended up being a late exclusive. Yeah. Um, and of course they had to release it the same, uh, what, the same day as Red Dead Redemption. So. Yeah. yeah so it, it's, it's stuff like that. And people were like, yeah, the, the start of the Xbox one, look, all those exclusives. Yeah, a uh, what was it? A uh, almost it was almost like a free to play. The way Killer Instinct launched, it wasn't like they didn't put any faith into it. They just like here it's like free, and we're like it's like a, what do you call it? The uh, what are the games that are not ready? I forget the term now. It's drawing me a blank. Um, uh, early access is basically an early access fighting game when it first yeah. launched. You had free, had no story, had it was bare bones. And and a lot of their other exclusives weren't great. The Forza game was bare bones. The most shallowest, most uh, Forza Motorsport yeah. lowest ranked Forza Motorsport game. Like there wasn't that much at the launch. It wasn't that great, like people say. It's just because it Sony's pales in comparison because all they had was Knack and Killzone. I will say though. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, it was better than that. Dead, but... <laughs> Dead Rising Three was actually pretty fun. I I really liked. Yeah, that was that was that was decent. Like they did, like he did snag some some pretty decent exclusives. Like I mean, I was shocked that they were working with Insomniac for Sunset Overdrive, but you know, I I I love that. Or uh, you know, uh, it was a really good idea because what was it, Uh, Rise Son of Rome, for example? Again, that was originally supposed to be a Kinect game, and then Crytek went to Xbox, and they were like, "Hey, you know what? We have this. uh, We we kind of want to experiment doing something else with it." And it just kind of went from Connect game to action adventure game, and a tiny, tiny little bit of Connect uh, here and there. So I mean, I thought yeah. that was a pretty smart move. But uh, he signed IPs that he didn't control, like in like uh, Sunset Overdrive and Rise, whereas like yeah. we can, they controlled like Gears. They fully, you know, well they they didn't. Have, I think they had to get that sold to them. But they, as far as their publishing rights, they completely had that unlocked. But uh, yeah. It, it just, it's just, it's hilarious just how it's like, no, and then that TV, and how many times they said TV, that part was, always gets me. Oh. Like, why would you lead with that? I get the thought process of like, well, at E3, we're all going to talk about the games, so at the reveal, let's talk about the other stuff. Like, everybody knows the games are coming in E3. Like, no, either delay that reveal, and just do the reveal at E3 and talk about games, and then say the TV event after. Yeah, it was just it's like nobody what they led with was price is right is what they led with on the reveal i couldn't believe it that they had basic cable on this you know like uh, whatever it just uh that was an interesting time (laughs) it was 360's connect success that blinded them i think because it gave 360 sales a shot in the arm it was popular with casuals that's one thing 
But when you launch a console, the casuals don't dictate uh, the initial uh, revenue. It's the hardcore gamers. So he, he, he thought he could pitch the Connect to the casuals for new generation when they don't buy right away. It's us. So uh, they should have saw that coming. I know the Wii U when the Wii U launched oh. the year before. They should have been like, "Ooh, that didn't the that casual market that we did with the Connect trying to chase the Wii looks like that didn't link up, you know, <laughs> with them for the Wii U. Let's maybe not do that, but no, let's just double down and then and then he just leaves. He just leaves before it's even yeah. out. And Phil Spencer had to take almost the well, pretty much the entire generation to right right the wrongs. Dude, it was so bad that they split up the they split up the Xbox division like piecemeal. So they when uh, Phil was given like, "Hey, you're gonna head it because Mark Witten also left," like in March the following year, um, he was like, "Well, I gotta have all my guys back together. I can't do this where it's like one part of Xbox divisions over here and they're all kind of separate." So he had, had to like push them back together, but then again, he still wasn't like a VP like Don and Peter Moore was. So he didn't have, he wasn't answering directly to the C, to Satya. Most of the time, he still was controlled VP-wise, was, you know, Meyerson, you know, making a big, if you want to make a big decision, it's going through him first, then the CEO. <laughs> Whereas the other two guys we just went straight to, you know, Peter Moore went straight to Balmer when the Red Ring uh, death, you know, was going on. Like, hey, we got to fix this. See that, and that's where you kind of saw, like, hey, why was it when he got his promotion in 2017? I don't know where he just went on a spending spree, like he was trying to burn up as much money as possible. Did he just have an epiphany, or did he finally get, you know, the shackles off in the sense of like, hey, here you go, you're in charge <laughs> for real this time? I I want to. Hopefully, we get to see this in the future. I want to like get an inside look into how the pitch. Uh, for Game Pass went from Phil Spencer to Satya, like that must have been one hell of a pitch, like for him to let, for him to get that funding, you know, and all those studio buying sprees to sustain it and grow it. Yeah, that would be something to watch. Ah, well, that, that's just me talking. I don't know. I would love to be the fly on the wall in the uh, Zenimax, Bethesda, and Xbox conversations when they were talking. I know it went on for like a, a few years, but man, just. Uh... You know, yeah. Like, how do you approach that? Like, how how would the first meeting go? You know, oh, yeah. I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, so, uh, you know, it's like talking to a girl, right? It's like, oh, you know, we we, we like each other, you know. So, uh, you know, you want to go on a date? You know, how much how much is the studio? Oh, okay, uh, I'll buy you for a billion dollars. How's about that? Oh, 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 you want to go to that restaurant? You know what I mean? Like, it just, it, it, I don't know, just kind of funny that way. Um, well. They talked about it with uh, <clears throat> how the uh, gentleman, I think it was the gentleman with Double Fine. Um, I'm always bad with names. Uh, what's the guy Tim that Schaefer. runs Double Fine? Tim Schaefer. Yeah, Tim Schaefer. I think it was uh, an interview with Matt Booty where he talked about how him and Tim Schaefer <clears throat> went back and forth. Like He's like, I remember I'd wake up in the morning and I would write a number and whipped cream on my pancakes and then I would send it to him through text. And that number represented the amount of money that they were offering for the studio. And it was just little quips like that until finally one day he bit and decided to do it. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was probably something like that. I remember when I heard that Bethesda was going to come up for sale. 
Um, and it was because um, the main guy who owned Bethesda at the time was getting up in age, from at least from the rumors I heard. He was getting near 80 years old. And that's where he wanted the the studio, to, the, the entire like kit and caboodle to go to a to somebody like Xbox that would not basically take it apart, force it to build games that they didn't want to build. Basically, somebody who would be willing to buy the studio um, and publisher and basically leave it the hell alone. And that's one of the things that I think really interested Bethesda was they saw what they were doing with studios like Tim Schafer's Double Fine Productions, um, Undead Labs with State of Decay 3. They didn't come in and say, well, now we own you. We want you to make something other than State of Decay. They actually went all in, and now we're hearing about how State of Decay 3 is going to be using the Unreal Engine 5. Um definitely we now there was obviously some misses like if we all remember in like one of the first episodes um rockstar games came to xbox and said hey we're building this revamp of grand theft auto and we'd really love to have it exclusive to the xbox and xbox completely was like we don't see how you're going to revamp grand theft auto it's a over the head top down like almost 2d game and that's where at the time those um, executives could not see the vision that rockstar was going to make and so they basically signed up with playstation and they birthed out grand theft auto 3 mm -hmm. which basically completely revolutionized and changed the grand theft auto franchise forever creating what we see today I will say, though, the best part about that was, I think it was Seamus Blackley that was talking about that over Twitter. And, yeah, there, there's another fly-on-the-wall situation, too, because he was like, yeah, so they were pitching a couple of games. And the one that, that they were leading in with was an Austin Powers game or something like that. I was like, okay. God. <laughs> and, I also yeah, it was just weird. And then, of course, they're like, oh, yeah, we also want to do, uh, you know, change up GTA 3. And, you know, they were talking about it being, like, exclusive. I was like, what the hell? You guys really, I don't know, they really uh, blew it there. But go ahead, Centurion. Can you imagine if it was Halo and GTA 3 because they dropped out the same month? Imagine that month of you picking up an Xbox oh, and having those two games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exclusive. Yeah. That was insane. Uh, the path not traveled. Huh. Dude, the Xbox would be a totally different platform if they would have... Uh, made those investments uh you want to talk about some of the comical times in watching these shows is watching them rattle off the multiple different names that they were going with for the xbox because the xbox was actually its prototype name because it was a direct x box because it ran direct x which is now we now have direct x 12 but it was a direct x box and that was its code name and I, dude, some of the names they rattled off because they had that piece of paper and they gave it to different people they were interviewing to just read off a couple of names. And some of the names, you're just going, man, what the hell were you smoking? Are you kidding? Hmm. I think I missed that one. Do you remember any of the names? Oh, my God. Some of them were, uh, dude, we're talking like, we're talking bad, like Zathura. We're, we're yeah, talking about like some of these like names were bad. Vector or something? I don't Vector, know. Vector, Zathur. 
um, yeah, uh, eleven. Like what? Like, eleven. Like, yeah, one of them was eleven. 11. Oh. <laughs> oh, dude, you got to go back and read some of that. Like, and then also to oh, see oh. what the original Xbox actually looked like. I don't know if I. I think I might want that big old chrome monolith in my living room, man. <laughs> well, Xbox just flows off the tongue so well, and it's just simple and. You know, it's easy to recognize. You talk about Vector or Zathura or, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Some of the names were pretty horrible. But I I wanted to say this earlier when it was brought up about the Red Ring of Death is I, I just think it's funny how everybody sits there and they're all up in arms over Xbox at admitting the Red Ring of Death, embracing it, even making a poster as a joke, which I think is funny and great at the same time. But why does PlayStation get a pass on having the same situation? So mm, yeah. technically, the Xbox 360 came out before the PlayStation 3. They had a little bit of a time to reverse engineer the Xbox 360. They probably won't admit that they did. I'm, I have no way of proving that. But it is very common for companies to reverse engineer products to understand what their competition is doing. And when you're dealing with a system on a chip, you got to cool it. So I think PlayStation copied some of the same cooling techniques as the Xbox 360, which also bit them in the butt because they had the exact same uh, problem. Um, in the Red Ring of Death episode, they talked about how the solder between the system of the chip and the board through heat, uh, um, um, heating and contraction, heating and cooling created contraction of the solder, and the solder would break down and crackle. Well, I never had my Xbox 360 do this to me. I played it a lot. I had my original 360 um, for a very long time until I got rid of it because I upgraded my Xbox 360 to an Elite purely because I wanted an Xbox 360 with an HDMI port in it because the one I ran off of for years had composite. And, yeah, you all remember the composite cables before HDMI. And that's where I never ran into the Red Ring of Death, but there is the issue I ran into with my original PlayStation 3, which was known as the Yellow Light of Death. Because on the PlayStation 3, blue meant on, and there was also a green, like, for the startup. And when the two lights would come on together, they would create a yellow hue. And that was the big giant you know, uh, that was the oh shit light, pretty much. And I still remember when my PlayStation 3 switched to that yellow light and completely shut down. And the funny part is, the same companies you would take your Xbox 360 to to fix this problem if you didn't send it to Xbox, they would fix the PlayStation 3 the same way they would heat, uh, they would fix the Xbox 360. They had a device that would heat up the board to basically liquefy the solder again to get it to basically reform those cracks. So the same way of fixing the Xbox 360 was used to fix the PlayStation 3, which meant that the PlayStation 3 kind of duplicated a little bit of what they were doing, which basically bit them in the butt because they had the exact same problem. But it goes completely under the radar because for basically PlayStation saw the issues that the Xbox 360 was having because the Xbox 360 had been on market for at least a year longer, and they were able to fix their production and change the design of the PlayStation 3 very quickly. That's why the Fatboy PS3s 
were really hard to find because then all of a sudden they had the PS3 Slim, like not like like what I think it was like what a year or two after the the launch of the PS3, all of a sudden it had been slimmed down and they had given it a new look. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, either way, like it's just I mean I I mean I still I give both companies a little bit of crap for the way some of the uh, consoles turned out early on. Uh, whether it be yellow ring, red ring, and so on. But oh, you hearing know. them talking about that red ring, when they started talking about the, when they were getting uh, the Xbox 360 out into the wild and they had what they referred to as the bone pile, when you hear about the failure right under testing conditions, mm. you're just like, what? Why'd, why would you? They were trying to meet that date, and yeah. they were just like, well, we'll just set these to the side and figure out what happened later. And they never had time to do that until it was too late. Well, again, they wanted to beat uh, Sony, right? They wanted to beat the PlayStation 3 to the the market. And they did. And they put out some pretty decent games. And it just, you know, eventually the uh, some of these consoles had a high failure, failure rate, which is unfortunate. But, again, I went through it. I don't like it, guys. But, eh, they learned. Yeah. I mean, I said this a lot back in back in when that generation was was current. I mean, if the 360 launched the same day and date as PS3, I don't think the generation would have ended the same way that it did. I think, well, given how PS2 just stomped GameCube and Xbox, I think this was a it was an I think it was a necessary thing that they had to do because they got the they got their consoles out, they got the brand presence out there, and then as a result, they dominated North America. Uh, at least the UK and Europe, uh, they had a lot of a uh, lot of time exclusive games with that head start. They fixed it eventually. Hey, I got myself a red ring of death, but I mean, I think it paved the way for uh, for the brand. Obviously, yeah, the brand definitely benefited in the end. But uh, it's it's bittersweet. Like I'm not defending it, but I I think I think it would have turned out differently if they did delay it though. I have a good friend that had the red ring of death so many times that he changed his tag name to broke again and he is still an xbox fan he prefers xbox over playstation he has had the ps4 he went out and got psvr the day it came out i remember going over to his house and he let me play around with it and we had a blast but when the ps5 and the series x came out he flat out said he's like i'm buying a series x i'm done with playstation wow that's dedication really um I don't know, either way guys like it was a very interesting documentary series overall again i didn't get to like watch all of it but i'm getting from what you guys are saying like there is some you know some stuff i need to go back to but otherwise i mean it's very revealing and i don't know very i don't want to say honest approach but it's glad that I'm, I'm really happy that they talked about certain things again like stuff that we weren't expecting so ah, I just again I, I I find it a very ah, just a very interesting documentary series. Definitely check it out, guys in the chat. Everyone listening, if you haven't already, it's been out for a few weeks now. The Xbox Power On documentary series. Um, and guys, don't forget to uh, leave a like if you haven't already, and share this out to let everybody know that we are live. Uh, we shall. We shall move on to some other news guys and a few days ago ubisoft well ubisoft announced its subscription service ubisoft plus will be coming to xbox sometime in the near future 
as a separate subscription. Uh, let's see, guys. I mean, anybody can chime in here. It doesn't matter who. Um, guys, Ubisoft here. They're making some some moves on the Xbox platform. Do you guys think that this will get integrated somehow eventually into Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, kind of like EA Play? I'll at least go off the rip and probably say it probably could. Um, and that's not me going on hopeful thinking and or like, you know, passionately going, please let it be that way because I want to get all my games in Game Pass. Um, no, um, if you actually take a look at the direction that Ubisoft has been taking a lot of their games they're Now, I don't agree with some of the direction they're taking these games, but this is just what they're doing. Um, they're trying to make Assassin's Creed more of a games-as-a-service, open-universe kind of... I don't even know how they're going to do it, but we're also seeing them do that with uh, The Division uh, in trying to create a Battle Royale-esque type multiplayer open world. Uh, they've also come out with a rival for... I don't even want to call it Fortnite, but it's like an arena-style um, shooter game. Uh, they've also come out with um, another, um, God, Ghost Recon, Ghost Recon Homefront or something like that, which is another games-as-a-service style game. It seems like Ubisoft has all of a sudden like been struck with the games-as-a-service bug, and they have been trying to figure out a way to make this work. They've been trying to get people to want to buy into Ubisoft Plus on the PC, and more people are not just really prefer Ubisoft for what they're be best at, and that's single-player style games. Um, but I think they're doubling down on wanting to really to get this games-as-a-service concept that they're in love with all of a sudden to work, which is why they're going to push um, Extraction into Game Pass because they want to show people um, kind of what they've been missing out on. If you've never tried Rainbow Six Siege, I've had a lot of ton of fun times playing that game. I've also caused my wife a lot of aggravation with that game because Rainbow Six Siege can definitely breed a lot of anger and hatred, especially with yeah. some of the how technical the game mechanics can be. And um, definitely, uh, me and my friends have been looking forward to Extraction. Um, and that's where they're going to try this as a, in my opinion, as a test to put a game in there, something that is geared towards games as a service, because that is pretty much Rainbow Six Siege. It's a very large multiplayer game that you go in, you have a ton of cosmetic style microtransactions, and it's basically go into the game, compete wait till the next match, go back in and compete. You have a small handful of objectives that you have to do to win the match, or you got to kill all the opposing teammates and you just get an automatic win. I mean, the opposing members of the other team. Um, I just really do feel right now they've already said that Ubisoft Plus is coming to Xbox, not Game Pass. They want Ubisoft Plus to be on the Xbox to probably try it as a standalone style um, subscription service. But that's where I'm hoping they somehow create a bundle like they did with EA Play, where for because we all know if they put it in Game Pass, we're probably going to see a price hike. I'm hoping that they keep it at like the 19.99 range, the 20 dollar range, 
to have access to Xbox first party studios, um, EA play and Ubisoft games as they come out, because I really do feel that at least the direction that Ubisoft is wanting to go with a lot of their games, they would benefit from game pass because we saw a large uptick in player engagement with uh, Outriders when it went into Game Pass. And when you listen to some of the members of the community, like Dealer Gaming, um, he even said that um, Rainbow Six Extraction was completely not on his radar because it was not his thing. But now all of a sudden it's going into Game Pass and he wants to try out Extraction. And I've been hearing a lot more people talk this way about how they're all wanting to try Extraction. Right. Um, and I think this is going to be a really good test run for Ubisoft on putting something in Game Pass and just seeing if they get a large enough player engagement. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a pretty big deal, too. Again, for a major third-party uh, publisher, again, to put their one of their big games to lead off the year right into Game Pass day one. I mean, we all know that Microsoft, uh, Xbox, they, they have a lot of money to dish out to acquire... It's not so much, I guess, about acquiring exclusives per se, but again, just to get them day one into Game Pass, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense for them to uh, to lure these games, these big titles in, especially, again, these uh, very co-op intensive games, uh, like like you were saying, uh, Centurion. Uh, then, well, you look at uh, like how well these co-op games do in Game Pass too. Like uh, again, a game I was talking about earlier, Vermintide. Vermintide Two has done amazingly well in Game Pass, and a, a whole bunch of Vermintide, Vermintide, uh, Second Extinction. Um, oh my God, the Dwarfs one that go mining. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Deep, Deep Rock? Rock Galactic. Deep yeah. Rock Galactic. Um, these are all. You know, you can buy these titles outright if you want, or you can buy purchase them in Game Pass, uh, or play them in Game Pass, excuse me. And we're talking about games that are designed to have microtransactions and cosmetics available, and they've always seen, especially when it comes to games like Fortnite, when you give them an avenue where there is a very low entry to bear, I mean, very low in cost to entry or no cost of entry at all, People, the consumer is more apt to buy the microtransactions. Ubisoft already got bit in the butt with trying to put out Extraction at 60 bucks because, let's be honest, Extraction was a game event for Rainbow Six Siege that took place years ago. It was a an idea that they had um, to see what would happen if they actually introduced a very extreme PvE element to Rainbow Six Siege and it just wasn't all PvP. Um, I mean, that game is 90% PvP. There is some PvE stuff, but I mean, like, if you get the right team, it's like a cakewalk. Extraction is not that. Extraction, when me and my friends played it, got real intense, and if you did not have good communication skills and cooperative skills to strategically place yourselves in the room and actually be able to combat these aliens, they would overtake you very, very quickly. Um, so everybody had a lot of fun with Extraction, and now when they made it into a full-blown game, everybody kind of frowned on the fact that, oh, now you're going to charge us 60 bucks for it, so they lowered it down to 40 bucks, which is now I'm pretty sure they're wanting to find a way to recover a little bit of that extra money, 
And we all know that the gaming industry at this point, whether you like it or not, makes a lot of money and revenue from the purchase of microtransactions. And that is going to be the main premise behind Rainbow Six Extraction is those cosmetics that make your character stand out. The charms on the gun, the the skin changes that you can make your uniform or the headpieces. Um, some of this stuff actually looks pretty damn cool. I remember it from Rainbow Six Siege. You can have some pretty wicked-looking characters um, on the battlefield, and I really think they're going to just follow that same suit with Extraction. And that's where they're really hoping that with all the influx of players that are going to play this game on Game Pass, they're going to take all that money that could have been used towards the purchase of Rainbow Six Extraction and actually buy a whole bunch of microtransactions, making them more money than they would have if they sold them the game. Well, I got to admit, I'm a pretty cheap bastard. So, you know, if it's uh, free or, you know, I get it in Game Pass, then eh, why not? I might give it a shot, right? But I already have a lot of games... Uh on my backlog to say the least as i've gone into detail on many previous shows as everybody knows uh shockley buddy what uh what do you think about rainbow six Ex extraction is this one that you're gonna try i've been meaning to give that one a shot um i hadn't tried any of the others <clears throat> I, I was big on rainbow six vegas yes one two on the uh, 360 playing terrorist hunt that was hilarious um it was so cool i remember that if you had the camera you could put your face mine actually it would wrap your actual face around your character was hideous yeah i did try to do that south park episode you know the uh kenny where they was it they on the milk carton they try to do the <laughs> picture of your yeah you know <laughs> Oh, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. uh, the brown eye. Yeah, I was yeah. like, maybe I can make a butt face, <laughs> but that didn't work. It couldn't register your face because I didn't have a nose. Um, but no, that that game was a blast playing terrorist hunt with just random people because um, that shit was hard as hell. But uh, that was the last time I was I was hopeful in the Rainbow Six, the this new one that they've made. I forget was it twenty six. 2016, 2017 when they did it, or 2015. Um, but then I couldn't get any of my same buddies. They were like, nah, we don't like this, like, fort, you know, this new aspect of where Rainbow Six went uh, with Rainbow Six Siege. But so I never got into it because I'm like, well, if none of my buddies are playing it, then I'm not, probably not going to have fun. So I, I just never got into it, but... Um, you know, maybe I know it's gone down so long and it's, it's gotten a lot better from its initial days, but, uh, maybe I'll give it a shot since there's more buzz around it. And especially if there's nothing to play, uh, nothing to play around that same time, maybe I'll, I'll give it a shot, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. maybe we can, uh, do a game night one of these days for sure. Either that or whatever else is in Game Pass. I'll I'll play with you guys, but also shock if you ever want to try Rainbow Six Siege, I do have friends and we can all get together and play. But just to warn you, mm -hmm. that game can make you want to smash a television. Oh yeah, no, I bet. I've never personally done it, but I mean, I, I mean, I've literally seen guys take a pop shot in a direction just because they thought they'd be funny and shoot a gun. And in that game, bullets will penetrate certain walls. 
and literally mm -hmm. I've seen guys accidentally down a teammate without warning or even score a random headshot because they were just screwing around shooting into a wall thinking it was funny and uh, somebody on the opposing team was completely unaware that they were going to do this and just got popped and instantly killed and I mean it's like BS kills like that you see guys get really frustrated at Oh yeah, it can't be any more frustrating than playing terrorist hunt on the. I remember that you you they downed you in the, uh, the shot, like you, oh. you had to be pinpoint. So, <laughs> it got so hairy, like when you were like down to like two people and there's only like one of you left, and you just wanted to get the. I think there's an achievement to do it. It got and so you're like, bad. Just stay alive, <laughs> and then he gets wiped, and you spent a, you know twenty or thirty minutes doing the terrorist hunt, and it all went away. <laughs> So it got so bad with cheaters in Rainbow Six Siege, um, and yeah, they they had an they had an they had a season called uh, Operation Health, where the developers were trying to go in and change a lot of the code of the game to prevent the 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 problems in the game that were totally making it not fun to play. It got to the point where me, the guys I played with, and other teams, if one of the randos that got put on your team started doing the weird stuff to like, you know, they, they would pull the gun out of their holster like 20 times and start doing all these weird motions because they're trying to glitch the game to create the cheat. The minute we would see somebody do that, you would watch one of the team members walk right up and off them right off the team. Because like in that game, there's um, team kills. Um, and I mean, the friendly fire, I mean, you could literally end someone's experience in one shot. And the minute anybody was ever caught hacking, um, you pretty much would shoot them ending their experience in the game because you didn't want them to affect the actual match. Hmm. Good to know. Well, our buddy from uh, Weebly Green podcast, uh, Hyperfan Gaming, he says that, hey, you know, hit, hit him up. He's into it. He loves Rainbow Six. So uh, good to know, pal. Good to know. I might give it a shot. Again, it's in Game Pass. Uh, you know, I just <laughs> it depends on room, honestly, on my hard drive. But uh, we'll see about that. Uh, MLD, uh, do you think you're gonna be uh, checking it out, or uh, are you gonna spend some time with some other games? Huh. I mean, I I tried Rainbow Six games in the past. Uh, it just uh, it's a great game. It's a great series. It just doesn't really gel with me for one one I don't know, some particular reason. But like, I still see how this is pretty significant. Like, uh, this news, like, it works on a lot of levels. And so, I mean, multiplayer games, they got to make a good first impression. And I think, you know, we, you said before, uh, you guys, uh, Rainbow Six Siege, it started out, like, a bit slow, but then it slowly got better. I guess, I guess Ubisoft, they want to hit the ground running. So this is, like, the way to do it. And if you want, if you, want, uh, if you got multi-console owners, this is a great way for them to pick Xbox because, hey, it's the same game for less money. I mean, who wouldn't do that? But... I'm thinking a bit deeper. It's like Ubisoft, they have their own service, but they didn't have to make this deal, but they did. It shows that oh, Game Pass is like the biggest gaming subservice on the block. So even they know that UB Plus isn't enough to, you know, give this game the boost it needs. Now, I myself wouldn't subscribe to Ubisoft Plus right now when it, once it comes. I think I'll sub to it for a month or month at a time. Uh, to play just to knock off a couple games like i still haven't got around to far cry 6 I would, I, I would like to play that sometime this year if they were to somehow cut that up like so there was a rumor last year that people wanted to put uh sorry like make like a ubisoft plus kind of like vault service where yeah. it only did like the older ubisoft games and didn't include the dlc and if they put that chop that up and put that with game pass 
or I'm thinking maybe make another Game Pass tier system. I, I think Game Pass is due for a tier system this year, and that would go a ways in, uh, you know, providing an extra value option. But you know, what is it? I, I I think I might try it. I don't know. If I see a lot of people on my friends list trying it, I'll give it a try. But it's a brilliant move on Microsoft's part because it's, it's on Xbox, but not on PlayStation. Somehow they got this time exclusive th- rights to it. And uh, no, it's good because they got, I mean, we they, Xbox is some pretty big games this year, but they're more like in the summer near the end of the year. This right. is like free PR. This is like, it's it's like a pretend exclusive. It gets people talking about Xbox. It's like a win for them, even though it's not even their game technically. So I just think it's a masterstroke uh, on, on the PR front. So uh, it should be a good game. We'll see how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree on that. It Again, this just kind of, came out of nowhere. I wasn't really expecting to hear that much uh, this past week. You know, usually the beginning of the year is pretty slow, but uh, that again, this Ubisoft news is uh, well, it, it's good. It's good news. It's very positive for Xbox and well, Game Pass. People subscribe to Game Pass, so well, guys, we'll give it a shot. It comes out in well, a couple of weeks anyways at the end of uh, January, so eh, I might give it a shot. Why not? Again, I haven't played a Rainbow Six game in a while. Probably was Vegas or Vegas 2, but eh, I, might, I might give it a go. Why not? Uh, let's see. We will uh, move on to some other bits of news, guys, and you know what? It's been a while since we've heard about Everwild, Rare's next game, and you know, there seems to be a reason why, uh, according to a report by Jeff Grubb, development on the game is, well, it's stated as being in a mess. There's a lot of confusion about it, and it's still trying to figure out important aspects to the gameplay. Uh, MLD, I'll, I'll hit you up uh, first on this one, bud. There's now been a few reports over the past few months popping up about this game being... Again, kind of a mess. Uh, should we be worried about Everwild? Uh, I mean, again, it got announced what back in 2019, late, you know, right before all the, you know, the shit hit the can. You know, should should we be worried about this title or just you know let Rare do their thing? Well, I I, I mean, my personal speculation is that I think they looked at the core gameplay loop and they found that it could be it's a bit lacking. Like you will look at the trailers. It has a lot of potential. I, I mean, the aesthetic is fine. The uh, the premise is fine. Like, we're, like, these these unique animals, each with their own uh, special abilities. Like, it made me think of things like Pokemon, where you need a Pokemon to surf, or you need a Pokemon to fly, or to cut a, cut a bush. Like, I feel like that could be a possible thing, but it also has to have co-op into it as well. Is it an RPG? Is it an adventure game? I feel like they they really need to go back and really figure that out and really nail that core gameplay loop it just means that this game will take a bit longer to make it may take another year or maybe two but at least like again we we said it like in the beginning of this uh podcast here it's better than microsoft dictating something that may or may not fly that the rare isn't passionate about at least i know that rare is passionate about this game and with the success of sea of thieves I don't think money's really an issue with them. I mean, see if these are still going strong. Um, I think that, yeah, they got the budget. They can just reinvest that budget into Everwild. I don't think, I think they're a self-sustainable studio. So I'm not really concerned about that. I don't see it being canceled because of that. 
they just yeah they just gotta find find that that path just really do some lot of quality control testing really find that gameplay loop that really really just works and um i know that yeah, when they do i, I know the game will, will be great i mean this is rare we're talking about uh yeah they had you know i mean rare had some bumps in the road but i mean lately i mean look at sea of thieves it's right it's the most successful uh in my opinion like one of the most fun games rare has ever made since the n64 days i feel like the game's in good hands it's just yeah they just need more time to make it better i mean we we can talk about plenty of examples of games that had a very long development cycle but in the end it worked out and that's all it is it's just no, just a bump in the road that's how i feel yeah, I mean, you know, it's one thing to get on them for, like, again, early on Sea of Thieves. I think everyone had some gripes about what was going on there. But, again, it, Sea of Thieves turned out to be one of their most successful IPs ever since they started, if not the most successful IP, which, again, for a studio like Rare is saying something. And even uh, last gen for Xbox, I'm pretty sure that it was up there on uh, popularity and uh, whatnot. It was it was doing really well on Twitch. I think it's still doing pretty well, if I'm not mistaken. But oh, yeah. you look at Everwild, and again, it's been very silent. Very silent. I mean, there's been the occasional story that popped up about it, but whenever I saw somebody talking about it, like uh, Luis O'Connor from Rare or a few others... It was just generally like there was a sort of a vagueness with how it was going. And I think that was kind of on purpose because I do think that there is kind of a confusion about, you know, what is Everwild going to be uh, last. Actually, I guess it was back in October of uh, 2020, if I'm not mistaken. The creative director, Simon Woodruff, who was with Rare for a while, he had left the company, uh, which kind of raised a few eyebrows. I remember that. And I guess, well, a couple of months ago, back in November, this past November, um, the Alien Isolation's uh, lead designer, Gary Knapper, he joined the uh, Rare Everwild team. So when I think of Alien Isolation, and again, you're on your own, and uh, you're kind of... Again, it's, Alien Isolation is a very unique game. You're kind of like, like, you know, you're doing something different. You're hiding, you're sneaking around. I'm kind of curious if any of that's going to transfer over to Everwild or any of those types of mechanics. I'm just very, I'm very curious to see what Everwild actually turns out to be. I mean, in the trailers, you see, there's some interesting things going around with like animals and I think healing and uh, different life mechanics. Um, and it does seem like they do want some kind of like co-op multiplayer thing going on. Cause I remember seeing multiple players avatars if i'm not mistaken um but again there's just been a vagueness about the game that you know nobody's been really been able to tell us oh you know you do this in the game you do that in the game uh or just actual like story components and it's been again like what two years now so we should have heard a little something um i don't know guys do you think that the game was maybe possibly announced too early maybe I mean, I don't think it'll get canceled personally. I mean, I hope it's not a skill-bound situation. But, I mean, is this just the case of, you know what, they were excited to show off the game. They thought they had a cool idea, but it's taking, you know, maybe they bit off a little more than they could chew. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's yeah, possible. Maybe. <laughs> but, 
uh, yeah, I think I think they definitely showed a bit early. That that's for sure. I think uh, yeah, they might have been pretty sure of themselves at the time. But uh, yeah, like you said, like someone you said someone left. Um, hey, the one that made that went from uh, Alien Isolation, that developer. What was his job at Alien Isolation? I believe he was the lead designer. Okay, because now I'm thinking because I played Isolation and the alien was very. I think I think if the, one of the smartest, if not the smartest AI, like I, I've seen it in a video game, I think that could very well translate over to the wild animals in Everwild. And that that's just uh, my first hunch, like like just right now. That yeah, I mean that that could actually pretty work work pretty well actually. So you do realize the alien and uh, alien isolation actually utilized two AIs, right? I did not know that. The body in the the body in the head were two separate pieces. The body always knew where you were at, and the head kind of knew where you were at. That's why they always wanted to create that intensity. The body was always the the AI of the body was always bringing the alien towards you. And the head had its own AI where it kind of knew where you were at, but as long as you didn't expose yourself to the head, it would just eventually move on. But yeah, I read about the AI for Alien Isolation, and I thought it was really cool how they utilized two forms of AI to give that intense, I'm being chased and hunted experience. Okay, see, that is pretty awesome. Because in the trailer... It did allude to there being like not just benevolent animals, but like like me like me like predator animals. And I feel like that could that that could play a dynamic in that as well. It's just ah, uh, it's just ah. Uh, I I just wish I, I knew what kind of genre it would be. I think it could work as an RPG. It could also be like a action adventure game. Uh, yeah, uh Hopefully, we hear something about it this year. Yeah. Again, just going off of what I was saying earlier to MLD, it's like I I think. You know, people would be less concerned if we just kind of knew what the actual, like, at least some specifics of the game, like, you know, what kind of a game it actually is, right? So, if we mm -hmm. hear things that the devs don't even know what it is, you know, it makes me a little concerned. <laughs> yeah. But... I don't I don't think you need to be concerned um, when they have 23 studios. If you have, still have, like, the original, like, you know, four or five studios and this is one they're relying on, yeah, then you'd have to be worried. But they have all the time in the world, pretty much, or it's how much time Microsoft's willing to give them. It seems like they're giving them quite a bit of time uh, since we haven't heard anything about it. So mm -hmm. they're not just having, like, hey, rush it out there. And they already went through that whole debacle with trying to meet that deadline with Halo, so I'm sure they don't want that backlash again. No. They don't need to, because now they got all the studios, they just let them breathe. And they have third-party deals, Stalker... All sorts of other games to keep their base happy so there's really no rush give them time figure it out make a you know you might want to say sea of thieves is a it's not a, a, a banger but it's doing well for itself oh no see <laughs> you thieves know the did space. really well sea of thieves did really well for for what it is like they i gotta give them credit where it's due like it was like it still does pretty good numbers across uh xbox live if i'm not mistaken but let's see. I think it's five million, five million sold on Steam, and uh, twenty-five million overall p players. Not current, but even so, that's a lot of p people who who tried the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, no, I mean, at least yeah. But the uh, shock's right. I mean, 
I think Sea of Thieves, when it launched, there was a lot more pressure on Xbox on its shoulders to deliver because this is but when you know Xbox One was going through like you know like we only had, they only had so many developers to draw from at the time, and so the, it, it was looked at with a lot of scrutiny. Uh, I think, but this time around, yeah, like yeah, every while it, it, it can breathe. Just you leave it alone, give it time to breathe, and all they gotta do is point to Sea of Thieves, how radically different that game was at the time, and look where it is today. I think that will keep Microsoft from, say, prematurely pulling the plug. If Rare just maintains, like, um, look at Sea of Thieves, that game's unique, look where it is now, we can we can try to do the same thing with Everwild. So I think that, yeah, I, I think it'll be fine. Just, we're just going to have to wait longer, but it's not like we got uh, uh, nothing else to look forward to this year. So that much is true, too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, too, because Everwild... Again, they haven't shown very much. Um, I because I just I don't know uh, when this game is going to release, like or when it was planned to release, or if they had any kind of idea. I mean, I I didn't think of this year. I'm probably not even. I, I have a feeling that Everwild is a 2024 game. If it's uh, you know if it's went back to the drawing board on a few things on a few concepts, it's probably a little ways out. It's probably not. Yeah, it's probably not this year. It's probably not next year. I just I just have a feeling of 2024 for some reason. And I agree with you guys. I, I, I want them to take their time. Um, and there is no rush. Absolutely. I just want them to get it right. I, you know, I prefer them not to cancel the game on and make something new. Um, yeah, I, I just want them to get their concept uh, to where they want it to be. And uh, again, for us to see some actual gameplay. So, yeah. We shall see, my friends. We shall see. Um, any of you guys in the chat excited for Everwild? Like, are you guys really interested in it? Or, uh, you know, is there another game from uh, Xbox Game Studios that you're more hyped for? Just, you know, let me know in the uh, chat. Just type whatever. Um, okay, guys. We will uh, move on to the last topic of the evening. And did anyone here ever play that old Rare game? You know, speaking of Rare, right? Uh, Goldeneye. Hmm? Hmm? Well, the beloved N64 game, well, it uh, it seems to be getting a big update, uh, judging by a few leaks. And a few days ago, site True Achievements posted a full achievement list with artwork for GoldenEye 007. According to some sleuths, uh, gamer tags for a few big rare employees uh, have already been unlocking achievements for this game, which is, I mean, I'm going to say that's pretty interesting, honestly. Uh, Shockley buddy, uh, judging from these leaks, uh, how likely is it that we'll be getting to uh, play a GoldenEye remake in the near future? Um, yeah, I mean, I would think it would be pretty likely. Um, I mean, just given like with with those leaks, because there was the initial um, build that got dumped um, like early last year, um, and then now just out of nowhere months and months later now because that because i've been playing that one on the uh pc through the uh 360 emulator um obviously it doesn't have any achievements that like pop so if they're going in there they would have to actually go in there and make the achievements which i wouldn't think that's something that they do like early on in a game I, i'm not sure <laughs> when most devs like look at that You're right. um yeah. But yeah, for a game like that to get far along enough that they're actually making achievements for it, and then 
that the achievements leak and because I, I don't think they were in the build that I play. At least I, I didn't get any achievements. Well, when keep I was in mind that, that build, Eric, that was from the like the old old arcade game that they were secretly working on. Uh, but the arcade mm -hmm. games back in the day, they had a different like way that they scored achievements and how many that they could uh, give out for those arcade games. This one in particular, though, is different. It has an actual set of like uh, a thousand gamer score and uh, even like I, I forget the exact amount of achievements, but I, I, I grazed through them and it, you know, it seems to be an actual uh like a more updated title that you wouldn't find on like the old like arcade based system so to me it, i mean it's yeah it's more updated well if you think about it uh perfect like the rare replay um all i think that had a thirty thousand gamer score for those 30 games so each game was given a thousand so yeah that would make sense i wonder that'd be cool if they just added it as like hey if you own just include that they should include it in there like as a package or at least as a dlc where it like goes in there kind of like how some of the games are piecemeal yeah. anyway like if you play perfect dark or banjo they're actually a separate download from the like the main game Correct. but they should definitely include that and in, in see if they can include some uh of like behind the scenes uh footage like they do for some of the other games in that collection that would totally make sense but um yeah, I wonder if it's uh, if it's a game that both Nintendo because wasn't it Nintendo that was that was dragging their feet or was it like uh, the studios like MGM? I forget or I forget what the rumor was. Uh, may have been Nintendo. I mean that, that's that's what that was the impression I got back when this news hit. Okay, but I, I mean the good news is I mean I think. Xbox and Nintendo, they've been pretty uh, nice lately. I mean, you know, I mean, we got to look, look, yeah. look at the banjo on Smash and uh, Xbox games going to Switch. You I know? wouldn't think you would need Nintendo's call on anything because it's like you bought Rare, so you didn't need Nintendo's call to put Jet Force Gemini. That's true. On and, they, <laughs> and they don't own yeah. the IP. They don't own the 007 IP yeah. either. So. And even if they had some publishing rights at the time, I'm sure those would have sunset it at some some point. Like, because they would yeah. be like, hey, yeah, we're going to, eternity, we're going to have the rights where they wouldn't have bothered even trying to sign it past, you know, a decade. That would, I wouldn't think. Now, uh, correct me but, if I'm wrong, anybody yeah. here, but does IO Interactive own the rights to James Bond right now? I, I, I think they do, and and I mean, if anyone, if anyone it could be more than one. You know how you have like uh, uh, basketball. You had like them NBA's has there's multiple licenses like live and two K. Yeah. So might not be uh, a sole the end all be all with James Bond is with Amazon. Uh, they bought out MGM Studios. Uh, James Bond, the actual. The actual franchise was under MGM Studios, so yeah. Amazon actually owns James Bond. Oh, I know, but like it could be like a like a say with well, more. I don't think the Spider Man, but Sony has the rights to Spider Man. Like I don't think they own James Bond though. I think that's still with that family. The uh, or, oh, the I think their last name is the Broccoli's. Yeah, yeah. I but think they own. They control the, the at least for the movies. I think they, they control, control the like, they control the production value for all those and actually uh, part of the deal was because I remember the family wasn't involved in the purchase of MGM 
because the the rights oh, okay. for the rights for James Bond came up, and this is something I touched on in a previous video that um, Amazon could potentially use the James Bond franchise to basically gain clout for what Amazon's trying to do in gaming. Yeah, good luck with that because I can just play it on the PC. So, <laughs> like, it plays butter smooth, great. Just download the emulator; it's super easy. Ah, well. So. Uh, they Oh, just to uh, chime in, our buddy from uh, Xbox era here, One Bad Mother, he uh, said they don't own the rights. They have worked out rights to make a game, though, which... Mm. I own director. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, yeah, he's, oh, okay. Yeah, so... I, again, they're just, like, yeah, very protective. Of I don't life. think MGM owns it. MGM just owns... Now, I could see MGM owning... I could see Amazon having control of like the GoldenEye property because that was produced. MGM produced that um, versus like, whereas the Broccoli's would control like for future movies of who they want ever. MGM has made every James Bond movie that's yeah. been ever put out except for one. And that was Never Say Never Again, which was an offshoot. Oh, because it's a remake. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. It was a remake. Uh, and that was, yeah, it was the remake of Thunderball. Um, yeah. I own every single James Bond. I am a big James Bond fan. The actual James Bond set is all MGM across the board. They've been doing J James Bond since its first uh, one with Dr. No. And that's where um, there is a large degree of control when it comes to owning MGM studios. Um, when it comes to the James Bond franchise, there yeah. was, there, I, I, there was a lot yeah, of franchises I mean, that came up under the, the, another franchise that happens to be under the banner of MGM studios is the Stargate franchise. Um, now all of a sudden we're starting to see rumblings of start. We've already seen a Stargate game for PC come out. Um, they're already talking about rebooting the Stargate, uh, tel the Stargate actual movies again. Um, Amazon, at that Dune money. <laughs> yeah, Amazon is definitely wanting to uh, wanting to expand its horizons when it comes to entertainment and gaming. Now, well, I mean, yeah, sure, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say, my question though is, guys, I mean, is this a situation like it just it, it it's interesting? Like again, all this like I don't want to say information, but there's a lot of clues here popping up. It's like okay, I see some rare devs, uh, because again, a lot of sleuths here they saw some rare devs with their gamer tags, these significant devs. Um, they're playing this game early. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that, uh they develop the game or are helping to develop the game in some capacity if they're playing it early enough. Uh, again, is Rare uh, making this uh, GoldenEye remake or, or what? Like, I just, it kind of like leaves me kind of curious here if Rare's doing this. Uh, and if so, if it is Rare that's made this GoldenEye remake, um again is xbox gonna have an exclusive here or you know is it gonna be multi-plat like it just it, it leaves me with a lot of ideas floating around in my head i think it's just gonna be the the one that i've been playing like i don't think they would do it because i mean that one's basically remade they be it's kind of like uh halo anniversary one and two because you can click the button to instantly go to the old n64 version and in real time back to the newer 
everything's everything's finished. The whole game's finished, revamped with a huge, you know, nice coat of paint of everything looks completely, you know, newer and like, oh, I can actually play this. And you switch back to the N64 version, you're like, oh, God, no, please let me go back. Um, it looks really good. Um, so I think it would just be that because it would be so such an easy, low cost. It's already done. I'm playing the full version of the game, but yeah, now that I'm thinking I don't, I don't about it, it be a full remake. You might have to do yeah, they, but that might have to do just little things like give it. Now that it's like 2022, you want to do like 4K support, 60 frames uh, support. Right. You want popular netcode for the multiplayer. Um, yeah, like yeah. again, like a restructuring of the new achievements because it's not like. 200 gamer score anymore this is gonna be like a thousand gamer score like a lot of little things like that that i feel like yeah it's minimum effort but it's effort nonetheless i feel like it has i wonder to be if rare. that pushed their hand sorry what uh i think i wonder if that pushed their hand when it got dumped on uh earlier last year they're like well anybody that has a even just a mildly decent pc can play the entire game right now that so let's say maybe let's try to dig that up and put it out. <laughs> Whoever has a licensing, like, hey, people are playing it anyway. Don't you want to make some money on it? Oh yeah, it's but, free PR. It's it's a beloved game in in the from the from gaming history. I mean, I feel like yeah, whatever James Bond has going for it in this year, I, this would like it would give that a nice boost. I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. I- I don't know about you guys. I played it back in the day. I played it religiously with my friends. Uh, again, I grew up really enjoying the James Bond franchise, uh, 007 and all that. And Goldeneye, I just happened to really enjoy the movie as well, uh, the one with Pierce Brosnan. And, yeah, the game. The game, even though, like, I don't know, I guess you could make some comments about the controls and a few other things, but I just, oh, I really enjoyed uh, that game, whether it be, like, the, you know, different aspects of it, the facility, dam, uh, just thinking back at, like, some of those levels there, oh, really cool. And the cheats, they have some really cool cheats, too. Um, so, real quick, because um, I know I'm not trying to start anything, I know making movies is tricky, Casino Royale, Somebody put that in the chat. I'd have to look that up, but it basically under James Bond, and this is what is said about it. It is wholly owned and controlled by the Wilson Broselli family, and is the U and um, Dan Jack is the U.S. based company that co-owns with Metro Golden Wire. I mean Golden Meyer Studios the copyright to the existing James Bond films and controls the right to produce future James Bond films. So MGM controls the rights of who gets to produce those movies because they have the production rights to them. Hmm. Interesting. I'd have to look into it more, to be honest with you. There might be a few more technicalities in there that I'm not aware of personally. Uh, but you know, some good information there, Centurion. And also in the chat, uh, uh, honestly, like um, I know that there's a lot of uh, people who enjoy the uh you know that franchise there's a strong fan base and you know we want we want to see some good done with it especially in the games so and i'm really curious to see what io interactive have cooking up as far as james uh, bond goes man actually that's a good mix they should have been working on a james bond game a long time ago um but yeah guys we will uh, we'll see about this uh golden eye remake i hope that we get an official announcement soon uh, because, oh, 
I would certainly, I, I would download this in an instant. Can you imagine this being day one in Game Pass as well? Because Rare worked on it. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Can you imagine the, uh, oh, you know, I wasn't even thinking about that before, but it, you know, hey, you know, anything yeah. possible. If, if they just add it to uh, Rare Replay. Well, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that's a good Maybe. point. That's a really good point. That's already in Game Pass. <laughs> you know, oh. could, you know, could it go to, you know, just... But get an update probably want to make some money on it and make it a completely separate own thing but it'd be cool if they included it in there wow or making a dlc for it like yeah you have to buy it but then like so when you download rare replay it kind of like just downloads that dlc for it that you purchased (laughs) i would do both maximum make people buy the rare replay so they can play the dlc of goldeneye (laughs) oh yeah Oh, but I, I can see that. I can see the narratives now, though. Xbox gamers only play old games. Like, uh, I'm not looking forward to that. But I'm looking forward to this game, though. If, if that's going to be the narrative, then they need to stop championing Kotor right now. I know, right? <laughs> oh, the standards, the doubling, Demon uh. Souls. <laughs> oh my gosh! Last of Us <laughs> remake. No, but honestly, better yet, Shadow of Colossus, which is a great game, but it, that thing was like one for one, hmm. just a up-res. Basically, they could have done the same thing, put that uh, over, you know, the original code and make make it so you could flip back and forth. But yeah, honestly, guys, doesn't matter if it's old games or not. Like, I I have no problem with you know older games just making their way and you know again being able to play. I love older games. In fact, like I just bought some older games. Uh, a couple of days ago off of somebody off of Facebook Marketplace. Like, again, I love, like, collecting games and whatnot. So, um, again, some of those older games, like, they're a lot more interesting than some of the ones that are put out right now. I mean, in my opinion, anyways. But, I don't know. Again, hopefully we'll uh, learn something soon about this GoldenEye game. And, yeah, that would be cool if it made it into, like, Game Pass or even, like, some random update to Rare Replay, which would be freaking awesome um but yeah guys i think on that note uh we'll start closing tonight's show off and i gotta say thanks to everyone that joined us tonight uh, to start off the new year on a really high note it's really fantastic having you guys here come out to the show uh tonight we talked about again ubisoft plus coming to xbox the xbox documentary series which uh again was a very interesting talk overall everwild and much more and if you happen to enjoy tonight's show, hey, remember uh, to leave a like, share this episode out, and sub to the channel if you haven't done so already. Uh, without further ado, let me get to the panel for some of the outros, uh, starting with General MLD. Buddy, good show tonight uh, to start off the new year. Where can everybody follow you? Oh, yeah. It's been a great show. At uh, at MLD Ghost is my Twitter handle. You'll see me there uh, pretty much every day. Uh, uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, let's let's. This year's been a great start. Xbox, they hit the ground running with uh, you know the Ubisoft Plus, Rainbow Six, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they'll keep us uh, talking next week with something new. So good show, guys. Shock. I was gonna say, what happened? Oh, my, my bad. I thought yeah, I thought you lost connection for a second. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, good show, Doug. Good uh, good topics. Uh, 
anything else coming out? Uh, trying to think of what what's what what to look forward to over this next. Uh, the Anacrusis. Oh yeah. The what? The Anacrusis. It's a uh, Xbox exclusive uh, co-op game uh, coming out sometime. Oh this okay. Month. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's like what Shredders, I think. Um, Mass Effect Legendary Edition on Game Pass. If anyone's uh has yet to try it. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Oh yeah. Did uh did Plague Tales uh did that that's still on track for February, right? Plague Tale? I always thought that was like more that's in the cool. summer, in the spring summer. I could have sworn they said the release was early. At least initially, I could have sworn they said the release was early in the year. Well, but maybe that'd be a nice month. surprise. Okay, Stalker is what April. Yes, that's yes. April. Okay. Yeah, that's I think I think Plague Tale is supposed to be February, but yeah, it's supposed to drop in Game Pass day one. But yeah, good topics tonight. Hopefully, uh, looking forward to some uh, newer releases coming around the corner. But mm-hmm. yeah, good show. Mm-hmm. Indeed, and uh, let's see, Centurion, buddy. Hey, loved your insightful takes tonight. Uh, you know, some really well said points. Uh, where can everybody follow you at, bud? Well, gentlemen, it was definitely a very fun Sunday night. Thank you for discussing games. Uh, Definitely enjoyed all the conversations. For those interested in following me, you can find me at Centurion1307 on YouTube, Xbox Live, and Twitter. You can find me every Saturday night on the Shop Podcast with PTK Blam and the rest of the crew over there. And you can also find me right here every Sunday night on the TXR Podcast with these amazing gentlemen. And a real quick shout-out to K-Mega over on the GRG podcast. Uh, he was gracious enough to invite me in for uh, Friday's show. Had an absolute blast there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I have to uh, catch the highlights of that show. Uh, definitely check that one out, guys. And let's see, to uh, round out the, the crew here, uh, everyone, uh, this is Invader. You can find my content over on YouTube at Invader Gaming. Uh, For the past little while, I've been working on a review for Halo Infinite, and that should be out, I'm hoping, in a couple of days. I've, uh, I started, uh, like, putting putting, like, some notes together, and let's just say everything is adding up. Uh, It's gonna be quite a long review, but uh, keep your eyes on that for sure. And, uh, yeah, sorry guys, Tim Dog uh, uh, couldn't make it, I'm... (laughs) Maybe he slept in. I'm not really too sure, but uh, yeah, sorry. I was uh, hoping Timmy could make it tonight. But uh, yeah, guys, have a good night, everyone. And uh, we look forward to seeing you all here next Sunday for another excellent show. Take it easy, fellas.